Hey everyone, you're listening to another episode of the Smooth Brain Inquisition. We take on sometimes difficult topics to the best of our cognitive ability. I'm Bryant. And I'm Andrew. And on today's episode, we're going to talk about uh, mythology and American folklore, but also other mythology as well. Yeah, yeah, not just centered around uh, American, no ethnocentricity, I guess, yeah, yeah. basically. So, a little bit of housekeeping, you know, please remember to like and subscribe, uh, Especially follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Uh, Andrew's at uh, Andrew right. SBI Pod, right? And I'm at Bryant SBI Pod on Twitter. Make sure you share and, and comment, leave a review anywhere that you can. Yeah. So I guess uh, we'll just dive right into this. the The first thing is, uh, I guess we'll sort of break it down into like you know myths at large. You know, yeah. where where they exist, where they came from, and and how they exist in general. So I guess from the broadest sense. Um, they're all aspects of storytelling. Yeah. It doesn't matter where you get these stories from. It's either, you know, I hate to start with it because it'll probably, it might offend some people, but I mean, religion is storytelling. Yeah, I mean, for sure. Like a lot of the stuff in the Old Testament that you would get to in the in the Bible, I mean, like, uh, uh, well, Noah and the Flood, that has cultural touchstones yep. across the world. This was probably an event, who knows to what magnitude. Yep. Uh, but as a, uh, so it's it's religion that was written, and it probably started out as oral tradition before it made it that far. For sure. I think you can like point out how, like, you know, we talk about Greek, Roman, Norse mythology, and those pantheons, and when we discuss it, it is absolutely mythology. But for, for, for the cultures that developed that, those beliefs, it was a myth. It was their understanding of the world. And that's true for, I think, any myth. Because I, I, I'd be shocked if you could find a culture that didn't have mythology of some kind. I bet, I bet that's like part of the one of the things that makes culture yeah. a culture is that yeah. it has its own uh, storytelling. I mean, I guess in some ways, mythology is almost like an early science. Like yeah. trying to find understanding in things that you just can't explain. Right. Right. Like, um, but I mean, also it was a pastime. Yeah. I mean, you're. I don't know. Let's say it's the dead of winter. Everybody's warm, but it's dark, and you can't really be productive. Yeah. Everybody's sitting around near the fire telling ghost stories, essentially. They I, might actually be telling yeah. stuff that's not necessarily that, because, you know, they're small children. I just realized the small children thing. I wonder if, like, you know, kids have a really hard time parsing between reality and fiction. So I wonder if, like, you know, Grandpa told a story about some, you know, flying monster somewhere, and then the kid's like, oh, damn. That might be real. And then he yeah. grew up thinking it's real. And then, hey, now there's a new religion. Right, right. I mean, I'm sure that's how it goes. And, and some of the, uh, I feel like it's offensive to even suggest such a thing. But to be frank, um, I think that's where most religion comes from anyways. And it doesn't necessarily have to be small children that are believing this. That is very true. Uh, it could be somebody with, you know, full cognitive faculties that are really leaning into what somebody else told them. I'm not afraid to be offensive about it. I was thinking about Mormonism and Christianity right? on the drive over here and how, like, you know, one of the Mormon myths is, like, uh, was it Joseph Smith read those tablets from, like, the hat, whatever it was. Yeah, yeah. And then did it a second time. It was a different story. Right. And then I was like, well, that sounds kind of similar to uh, Moses on the mountain right. getting the Ten Commandments. Like, no one else saw him do that. Right. So well, I can kind of just see old Moses up there, like, just chiseling away some stone tablets. I like, think there was a... Uh, 
a Mel Brooks, Mel Brooks movie that was talking about Moses and he'd come down from the mountain. Moses had come down from the mountain. He's like, I have before you the 15 commandments. And then one drops and shatters. He's like, the 10 commandments from our Lord, our God. That's uh, funny. Mel Brooks was a pretty good, uh, you know, satirist. He to, was. Uh, to tell, well, I mean, I think he still is. I don't think he's gone yet. He's old. But Wait, I actually don't know. I, I yeah. feel like I saw that he died, but I don't know. He, I mean, he may have passed away. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, they would start, I guess, I think centrally, the origination of most of this, most of this is sort of, uh, as entertainment. I mean, you and yeah. I are, for lack of a better word, we're your storytelling yep. right now. We've yep. been doing it for 11 episodes and here's number 12. So, I mean, these, these sort of things are, what we're doing is entertainment. Yep. It may be educational. You may wish we were more educated. <laughs> yeah. But well, I mean, it's so I guess this kind of ties into one of my ideas I was thinking about earlier, too. It's like, you know, the more <sighs> you say something, the more you believe it's true yourself as right. well. And I was thinking about, like, back when I was a teacher and everything, I would tell my students stories about when I grew up and everything. But you want them to be entertained, so you exaggerate, you, right. you, you know, you embellish things. But there were stories I've told my students, like, that... I exaggerated so much and so often that I don't remember what the original event even was. Right. And like to the point where like, I can't, I couldn't tell you what was reality and what was the exaggerated plot point to make it more interesting. Right. Right. And, well, I mean, uh, that, that sort of goes, everybody, at least in the rural South has a fish story. Yep. So, I mean, yep. that's like the, the biggest sort of, it's, you want it to be entertaining because you mm -hmm. want the story to have some weight to keep people's interest. Yep. You don't want to tell them about this time that you caught a fish and they said, how big was it? Yeah, uh, You know, yeah. average. Then, yeah, it's, then who cares? And it didn't have anything. Well, if you're like, I caught a fish. It makes complete sense. Like, as big as my forearm. And it was, you know, I'm certain it was a juvenile of whatever it was. You know, then, then that's more of a story. Yeah. I mean, even, you know, we talked about written tradition as well but even that is not you know set in stone like you know talk, talk about how many times the bible was rewritten or retranslated like, like yeah, an arabic speaking i think it was arabic no aramaic speaking uh jew who was teaching yiddish jewish texts that were transcribed into greek to be taught to english speaking and europeans Latin. Yeah, yeah and then so like yeah, there's just a lot, and like so. I, yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. I, I don't like. I'm I'm not religious at all, but I do enjoy the religious stories. Right. And I've always thought like Old Testament God was best God. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, <laughs> I'm about the fire and brimstone. Yeah, he got stuff done. But I think I was if I was going to be religious again, I think I kind of bring back the old school pantheons, like the Norse, maybe maybe Greek or Roman. I don't know. I, I like the idea of like praying to a certain figure for a certain thing yeah yeah it's aspect like, of, yeah of reality Which, frankly i think the catholic church already kind of does i think the the saints are kind of like a pantheon already but yeah it's pretty close yep uh to go into those myths a little bit too one of the things that made the the gods interesting to i think you know even though it is like western religion i guess but like the thing that made it interesting enough to continue studying not only to give sort of like a, a background to like the Roman Empire and its yeah. implications and stuff, but to, to these gods, most of them were not omnipotent. Mm -mm. They all were flawed. That's what made them interesting. Uh, to talk about God or Jesus as like a, a story figure, 
they're not terribly exciting because they're not supposed to be flawed. Now, the storytelling about them is, in my opinion, quite flawed. There's a lot of self-referential contradictions and stuff that are just, you know, doesn't doesn't quite square a circle. But the the aspect of them being uh, imperfect is what brings some of the allure. They were mischievous, even if they weren't the god of mischief. They were scandalous even if they were supposed to be noble they they had their their flaws it made them more approachable even right like it was like you knew like they were relatable they weren't perfect therefore it was okay for you to be imperfect right uh i think it's kind of interesting that as religion became more i don't know if sophisticated is the word but all of these qualities kind of got you know centralized yeah and all the negative shit was like kind of taken away it was like okay this is a perfect divine being right and you're not right like it went from being like a comfort to a burden almost yeah i mean i've i've seen the thing often and this is you know we're sort of off the beaten path a little bit but i mean like religion in general if people talk about like you know if you have a divine reward or the punishment of hell in the afterlife and that's the only thing keeping you to be a decent human then you're just a shitty human on a leash yeah and uh i think that needs to be told to more people because being a garbage human is still being a garbage human yeah. regardless of if you're uh you know um conforming to some tenets of a religion that you're studying yeah i mean i wouldn't say that i'm any less moral now than i was when i was religious so like yeah maybe so, maybe i maybe a little bit but i would think uh some of the stuff uh you know one of the tenets in in christianity is to be really forgiving yeah. and there's a lot of people who aren't so forgiving that claim to be christians uh you know i, I just sort of you know this isn't a generalization of everyone but it is just something that you would see that there would be somebody who is a christian that claims to be you know a christian and isn't you know, extolling the ideals of Jesus right. Christ or anything. But uh, to sort of fit into that imperfect, you know, pantheon's not the the right word for this, or, you know, polytheism or anything. But if you consider, uh, <laughs> this is going to sort of be in reverse, but this is one of the things that we see a lot of Marvel comic characters and DC yeah. comic characters as the modern... Uh, Deities? Yeah. Or- yeah. I, there was a thing I saw. It was like Marvel are mortals, the power of gods, and DC are gods with the minds of mortals. And it was like that's why DC is kind of more powerful, but Marvel is more interesting, right? Like, well, it which, goes back to being you know flawed humans and perfect yeah. humans. One of the things that's you know, uh, I will die on the hill to say Superman is a garbage superhero. Oh, I, I I hate Superman. And uh, you know, okay, I'm gonna tie this into classical literature right now. So, have you ever read Paradise Lost by Milton? Uh, I can't recall if I have. Well, it's a... You do remember. It's it's an epically long poem. I actually enjoy it. It's it's an epic poem, and it takes... So, in epic poems, uh, it's always kind of unclear who the hero is. Uh But in Milton's Paradise Lost, the debate is that Satan is actually the protagonist, and he's the good guy. You know... And one of the arguments made for why Jesus is not the good guy, because at the time, I don't think he's like Jesus yet, it's like the son of God before he comes to earth or whatever. I can't remember all the details. But that, you know, part of uh, the hero's struggle needs to be a struggle. And if the hero has no challenge whatsoever, they just like are destined to win. They're not, 
you know, there's no threat to themselves. So to be heroic, you have to like put yourself at risk. Right. If you're all powerful, you take no risk. Right. So, you know, for Superman, it's yeah. the same thing. Like if he's on a planet and another planet hits that planet that he's in between the two when they collide, he's fine. He survives. Yeah. yeah. He'll dust off and fly and smash the planet at somebody else. I-, I will die on the hill that Spider-Man is the best hero ever created because like he's, he's he, definitely one of the most tragic. Well, it's not even that. It's because like he, you know, yes, he he is powerful enough to make a difference, but he's not so powerful that he doesn't risk death every time he goes to the street. Right. Someone with a gun can kill can kill Spider Man. Right. So like he's putting himself at risk every single day. Right. But he's not just some dude in a suit. He's you know. Yeah. He can still lift twenty five tons. Right. Right. So, like, I mean, the other thing with him, too, is, like, his, his chronic loss. His entire yeah. story is a tragedy. From Uncle Ben through uh, Gwen Stacy or uh, Mary Jane yeah. Parker. Well, she eventually is Mary Jane Parker. I don't remember what her last name was before, but it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, all of them are flawed. Those would sort of be in that vein of, like, you know, written stuff. But, I mean, those started in... I think Detective Comics was started. DC Comics was started in the early twenties, like, like early early action 20s. comics. Though it might have been action. Like, comics. I think Superman was action comics before it became DC. I don't really. Okay. Well, I know yeah. Batman was like the first of DC, but I know Superman. I think predates him. Yeah. So he, they might have bought the property into DC at that we're, point. We're kind of off topic here, but I think this kind of is interesting. Like, imagine the world ended today and then people started finding like all the Marvel movies or comic books and stuff. Like there is so they're definitely deified by our culture. Like you would find the whole Marvel universe MCU movies and stuff and be like, holy shit, they made like, what is it? Like 30 movies now. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And still climbing. Like, yeah. I mean, and, and so those are purely as entertainment. They might have some education value about how to like, deal with tough situations and stuff, but that's not the angle. They're purely escapism. But to go back into like global myths, I believe we will, we mentioned the great flood that had happened. Uh, I think there's native American Uh, stories about it. Literally in the tale of Gilgamesh, which is like the oldest written story on earth. So like it, I, I think it's not a stretch to say like the fertile crescent had some great flood event that, was tragic and probably killed a lot of people right and for society at the time that would have been your whole world right like you wouldn't grasp that there was more out there so like i think a lot of mythology is at least somewhat based in a real event like right well i mean and then you have uh other stuff that's like uh the rise and fall of the tides which yep. would be explained by, you know, like Poseidon or whatever the mm-hmm. uh, Neptune or uh, continuing on to um, the myth of the new moon. I mean, why does the moon suddenly look like a cookie that's had bites taken out of it? Yeah. And how, why does it reemerge? There's these kind of things that are sort of like globally understood. But then you have other ones that are, you know, distinct to regions. Uh, uh, something as you know, simple as, let's see, what's the best one that I could think of off the top of my head that's re- like, uh, well, Appalachian uh, folklore has the myth of a hoop snake, and I'll go okay. into like describing that later. Or if you have, uh, let's see, do you, ha- do you have any regional ones off the top of your head? Well, I was kind of thinking like, 
different cultures in general have similar myths as well. Right. So I mentioned earlier before the episode started about like thunder gods and stuff. Yeah. So, you know, Greek mythology has Zeus, Roman has uh, Jupiter, uh-huh. same god. Uh, Norse mythology has Thor, but then even like Native American mythology has like the Thunderbird and stuff. Right. So, like, even regional regional specific myths are similar to myths in completely unrelated areas of the world. I think it's kind of interesting as well. Yeah, yeah. Like, I think you know, tantric. If you if you don't understand what thunder or lightning are, then it would seem. Yeah, it seems like it has to be something divine yeah. at that point. Uh, local myths, like I don't, I can't think of anything where we grew up too much. Uh, there were some creepy ones in Korea that I remember. Uh, like I got yelled at one time by an old lady for whistling at night. Oh yeah, what was that about? So apparently, if you whistle at night, you summon an evil spirit. Oh yeah. And so I was just walking home from work, and I was like, "Fuck yeah, it's Friday. I'm gonna go drink a beer." Yeah. And I was just whistling, and this like random old lady. Like came up and was like yelling at me in Korean. I was just I've been there. For, I'd I'd been in the country for like a month at the time, yeah. and I was just like, "What the fuck did I do?" Yeah. And like I asked uh, my boss later on, like, "Hey, I got this old lady yelled at me that night," and she was like, "Why?" I was like, "I don't know. I was just walking home," and she's like, "Well, you doing something?" I was like, "I mean, I was whistling." She's like, "Oh yeah, no, old people don't like that." <laughs> and uh, there's another one about like uh, like a, a woman who like she's like an evil spirit who will approach you at night. And then her face is all cut up and stuff. Uh-huh. And then she'll ask you, like, am I pretty? And if you say no, she stabs you in the chest. And if you say yes, she cuts your face to look like hers. Oh, and it's so like it's definitely a lose-lose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that one is, you know, like a, a ghost story. Right. But uh, a, a, definitely a creepy one that made me uncomfortable. Now, do you, do you remember uh, the, the stories about, like, you know, so-and-so's bridge? Like, we would have, in Lincoln County, we had uh, Sally's Bridge. Uh, I don't, actually. So, it's a thing where, you I mean, uh, this is before Netflix and chill, I guess. So, you, you take your date over to this specific bridge that somebody was driving their car, and they drove off or whatever, but every now and again, if you go at midnight, or the time that the person died when they went off yeah. the bridge, and you park your car, and you turn off your lights, you turn off the car, and you look over the bridge... You can either see their silhouette walking the bank, or you can see like in a like an ephemeral yeah. body walking the bank or whatever. And then if you try and get away, like you're like, oh shit, that's a ghost. You know, you get in your car, your car won't start. Oh, and as it approaches and approaches, most everybody even either another car comes and then your car is able to start, or it just so happens to start. And you get away. But uh, it's weird. Like, ghost stories tend to fall into two categories. They're either completely, like, evil, malevolent beings, or they're just kind of, like, harmless. Right. And I, one came to my mind, like, you know, this is extremely, like, local. Uh, the castle I lived at in Italy, we were told there were four ghosts in this castle. And it was not, like, a, like, a, ooh, scary. It was, like, a legitimate, like, watch out for these things. Yeah. Which... I never bought into it. Although, okay, I'm going to tell a scary story, actually. Okay, let's hear it. So first, let me tell you the four ghosts, okay? Uh-huh. And I don't want to hijack too much time with this, but... So when we first got there, we were told there's three ghosts that inhabit the castle at all times. Uh, the first one was a little girl, and she was very playful. Uh-huh. So she would, like, you know, cause mischief, not... She wouldn't hurt anybody. Right. Uh, there was a woman who was, like, very sad and crying all the time. 
and she wouldn't even come near people, but you would hear her crying sometimes. But they said the third one was a man and that he was not nice and that he in the past had like messed with other girls and stuff in the castle when they slept and everything. Uh-huh. And I was like, okay, whatever. And then the fourth one only came by once a year. Uh, it was a woman who like jumped off the castle and killed herself. And on her anniversary of her death, she would jump off, jump off the castle. Oh, God. I didn't believe any of this. I still don't. But something did happen that I can't explain. Uh-huh. So uh, one weekend, uh, there were 10 of us on the trip in total. And one weekend, seven of the students went, uh, I think they went to Milan or something to go do something. I don't, I don't fucking know. It doesn't matter. Uh-huh. So me and my two friends stayed behind, and we were going to go to the bar and drink in town. Yeah. And, but they were going to f- go study in the library first. And I was like, okay, I want to go chill my room for a bit and I'll see you when you get back, whatever. And I didn't, my window faced the castle. So I didn't hear them come down the, the walkway, but I distinctly heard the front door of the building open and close. Yeah. I distinctly heard footsteps climb the stairs, walk down the hallway and stop at my door. And I was just like, oh, hey man, you guys ready? And then there was no answer. And I was like, what the fuck? And then outside my window, I heard both my friends, hey, man, let's go. And I was like, who's inside the the uh, the, the loft with me? Or the croft, we got the croft. And they were yeah. like, it's just you in there. And I was like, fuck that. <laughs> and I had a I had a door directly to the outside. Yeah. And this sounds like bullshit, but as soon as I opened up my door and got outside, my bed, my room door slammed open. And I swear I heard like a yelling sound. Yeah. And like it was creepy. And you just bolted out of there. Oh, I just left. And they were like people were laughing at me. I was like, dude, no. Like <laughs> like it was distinct footsteps. Like I couldn't So let so, me uh let me swap a scary story with you. This one is uh, about our mutual friend Josh Suggs. Okay. And uh and uh Brittany Stokes Barnett. I'm gonna have to uh tag you guys in this episode about this. Um Specifically, uh, they were they were good friends in early yeah. college. Middle, or I guess it was like sophomore year was when Josh came up to to Western or whatever. And he had this off campus apartment. It's like a little. Uh, I don't think it's fair to call it like a uh, like a double wide, but it wasn't like a full fledged modular home either. Yeah. It was somewhere in between. But anyways, it was a it was a two bedroom, uh, one bath, and. Uh, kitchen and living room. Uh, nice. Each one of those yeah. were separate. So, anyways, Josh was stand, staying in this place. Oh, and Anthony Ballard was his roommate at the time. Anthony was uh, going to the National Guard for something. I can't remember. Yeah. Uh, but anyways, he was basically reserves or whatever. It had to go do like the training and stuff. I don't remember if he was at like basic training or boot camp or something, but he was gone for a long time. So Josh would get bored. He would call around to whoever was around and see if they wanted to hang out and stuff. And, and, um, Josh and Brittany's schedule lined up a lot. And yeah. so did like the three of us would hang out a uh, fair amount. But anyways, Brittany was going over to, uh, Josh's house after like she called him and said, Hey, do you want to go ride with me? I've got a break in my study and I want to ride. This is at night. I want to go ride yeah, yeah, yeah. to the McDonald's and Silva, get a McFlurry, come back, drop you off, you know, just get you out of the house. I'm sure you're bored. And he was like, yeah, sure. And he comes, uh, he's like, Hey, I'll be in my living room or whatever. And his, his uh, living room had a big picture window. You know what I mean? Like, no, yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. no, I don't know the lattice or whatever that's in windows. Wasn't in that. It was just a big open window or whatever. And so he's chilling in there, sitting on his couch, 
with his back to that window, thinking he'll see the headlights when they come up, because that's just sort of how the house was laid out with the driveway and whatnot. So he's over there, and he's playing guitar, whatever, and he does see the headlights. He's like, oh, cool, Brittany must be here. He starts getting up and like putting his guitar back in his case and everything. And then uh, Brittany starts pulling away. He, he can hear the car outside at this point because he's not playing and singing anymore. He hears the car start pulling away, and he calls her real quick. He's like, where are you going? She said, oh, I'm sorry. I didn't know you had company. Whoa. <laughs> and he said, excuse me? <laughs> she's like, yeah, whoever that girl is, you know, she's welcome to come. I mean, I don't want to interrupt anything. And he's like, do what now? There's a girl in here? <laughs> you must be seeing me. He had long hair to his shoulder at yeah. the time. And he was like, nah, there, there's absolutely, yeah, there, I'm just here by myself. Let's go get this McFlurry. I need to get out of here. And so he gets out, and they go, and they get the McFlurry, and they come back. And he's like wigging out at this point. Yeah. And uh, he gives me a call. I was staying in this very small uh, dorm room or whatever, but I had a lofted bed with a, a futon beneath it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And Josh yeah. was like, what are you doing, man? And I'm like, uh, nothing. Uh What's up with you? And he tells me the whole story. He's like, can I come stay with you tonight? <laughs> and I'm like, yeah. So we, he comes over and we watch like, I don't know, Pineapple Express or whatever. And then the next morning he was all well and good. There are other instances that happened in that house, but that was the, I guess the genesis of everything yeah. was when that happened. That's creepy. Yeah. I mean, I think, so I think people want to explain the unexplainable in any way they can. I think that's kind of the origin of most myth or ghost story like something happens you go, hey that was very bizarre i can't explain it right. so it must have been a ghost it's almost a comfort to it right right because right. like, you, you can explain it away yeah so i, I guess uh to, to that point um the storytelling part that we didn't uh really talk on uh too much is it is an explanation without the empirical evidence to support yeah. whatever's going on and i think i'm going to dive into my psychology stuff now that was okay. yeah because i think so you know they've done uh sensory deprivation studies and stuff and in every instance people hallucinate right. so if you put someone in a room uh there's that one room i can't remember what it is but basically there's no sound uh-huh. like the walls are designed that no sound yeah, travels angled all crazy yeah. so it's completely, completely silent and no one can stay in that room for like I think it's maybe like an hour without like kind of going crazy yeah. because like the only thing you can hear like, actually hear is like your own body. Yeah. And people are like, it's weird how much noise your body makes. Right. When it's the only noise in the room. Yeah. But then they start hearing other noises too. They'll hear like voices. They'll hear like music and same thing happens uh, for sight as well. They put people in like a completely room that has no light right. and you know, your your bedroom doesn't count. I mean, like it's like, like no no outside light. light. It's like painted nothing. with vanta yes. black or something. And what happens is that people almost always start to hallucinate after some time because uh, our brains are just not programmed to not have information. Right. So if there is no sound, if there is no light, your brain will start to fill in the gaps for you. Right. And I think you know. The reverse of this is kind of true as well. I brought it to you earlier, like, you know, our noses are always in our line of sight. Yeah, they're always obstructed. They're always there. But our mind just erases it because it knows, like, okay, it's always there. Get rid of it. Yeah. Uh, our optic nerve is a is a dead zone in our sight that our mind just kind of fills in the gap. Yeah. So, you know, it's not a, if our mind can erase something that is there, it can definitely put something that's not yeah. there and then it also made me think about how like have you ever t- taken like a nap during the day 
you're not like asleep, but you're not awake. You kind of just like in the in between zone. In between zone. Yeah. And you have for me, I have some really like weird dreams that aren't like even dreams. Yeah. And it made me think of like uh, like in Australia and stuff. If you're traveling traveling from one coast to the other. Like, it's hundreds and hundreds of miles of just, like, nothing. Right. And it's common for people who make that drive to go into, like, almost like a trance and hallucinate and kind of, like, daydream and stuff. Right. And so my whole point is, like, you know, imagine you're, like, some frontiersman in, like, the 1800s, 1700s going out in the middle of nowhere and, like, you are alone. Right. And it's pitch black. It's, like, yeah, Moonless night, but it's cloudy. Yeah. Like, you would see things that aren't there, and you would, you know, you wouldn't think about it not being, like, it, I don't know. I can totally understand why people see weird shit. Right. Because, like, it, it happens. It's just, we all experience it all the time. Right. So, I think a lot of myths can come from that kind of stuff. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I mean, well, again, it's, it's explaining something that you don't have an yeah. explanation for. Uh, the same sort of... Uh, thing comes to mind when you explain uh you know the the myth of why well at least in appalachian storytelling and the like um there's a fungal blight that affects if i'm not mistaken hemlocks and fraser fir trees okay and so they die at some point of their you know adult life most of the time but they start to shed their needles and everything and they're just like a skeleton of a tree yeah well the way that people would explain that is with uh the myth of a hoop snake because oh there was oh, okay. also a beetle i forgot it's not just a fungal blight there's a beetle too i can't remember what it is that eats into the heart of the tree okay and kills it so you see these like punctures within these trees so the oh, way a hoop oh. snake a uh, hoop snake a hoop snake is <laughs> um imagine a snake that can bite its own tail Throw itself up on its side and chase you by rolling. Huh. That, this is a hoop snake because it makes a hoop. Well, there's two myths of how you get away from them. One of them is you just avoid them so long that they they can't catch you or whatever. They'll either go around both of your legs like boluses and uh, snatch you, and then they'll eat you. Or the other way is that their tail is actually barbed, and they will propel themselves off of their head tail first at you, and you sidestep this snake spear that stabs a tree all oh, the poison okay. drains out they can't get their barbed tail out of it and it kills the tree and the snake how big are these snakes supposed to they, they eat people so how big are they supposed to be in the myth like, i mean they're no bigger than a black snake oh but they can swallow you I okay mean, but if you get away from them and they don't if it's not one of the launching hoop snakes yeah they get hungry. They can't let go of their tail without something to attack, so they just swallow them tail, their tails until they disappear. And that's why you never see one. <laughs> that's right. You never find one, because huh. eventually they'll get old and slow, and they'll die, because they can't get anything We have like, a lot of weird myths in America that are kind of interesting. Like, right. I think the one that everyone in the world knows about is Bigfoot. Right. And that one, like, you know, the explanation that I saw that made the most sense was it's just a bear right like people see a bear on its hind legs walking its snout up in the air smelling uh-huh. and then you know it's dark you can't, you're not seeing it clearly yeah so you know how like all like the the images of like bigfoot have like, the kind of like that cone-shaped yeah. head yeah well now imagine a bear with, with its, its snout in up air. in the air it looks kind of like that so we talk about like hallucinating so you're your brain is filling in the. Like, have you ever like watched like a, like a like a a wooden wall 
infinite faces in yeah, the yeah, wood. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's the same thing. Your mind just kind of fills in. Well, the that's details. what they they lean on in like the the ghost hunter shows and stuff yeah. like that. They want you to see the thing, and then they'll show it back, and then you're like, "Oh, it's just a piece of dust." But they're like, "No, yeah. but that was the ghost." Oh yeah, I mean it's like. Well, the same thing with that. There's also an interesting thing to where uh, uh, the Sasquatch yeah, or Bigfoot, whatever. Well, I mean, there's there's those exist in other cultures than just American, but I guess like, there's more television shows like about Yeti American Bigfoots, yeah, yeah, or Abominable Snowman and stuff like that. In the Himalayas, but. Uh, the uh, there is thought that back when mega megafauna existed, yeah, that uh, this could be a holdover from a story of people seeing now extinct giant sloths. I was about to say those sloths were like, they were enormous, huge. yeah, and so that could have been something. I mean, obviously we're not seeing human shaped footprints on the ground from a giant yeah. sloth, but I mean, the, who knows if those are real or anything? You know, well. So the only thing, okay, so like you take something like the Loch Ness monster, right? Right. That one I think has been pretty conclusively like, okay, that's impossible. Like they've literally done uh, like sonograms, whatever it's called. I think like you know they they mapped yeah. out the entire uh, body oh, of water. There's yeah. like there's nothing in here, but for Bigfoot, like that's a you know the south south or not south the northwest of America is a really big region. I'm not saying I believe in Bigfoot. Right. I don't. But at the same time, like, I would not be surprised if there are things out there we haven't discovered yet, at least. Well, like, one of the things that I always think about, too, is, like, how in Brazil just recently they were talking about, like, you know, tribes that are either undiscovered in, in the rainforest yeah. or are just yet to be contacted by modern civilization. Yeah. So, uh it would be interesting if they were contacted, what stories they would have of airplanes or something, you know, if they saw them. Was it, isn't there like a tribe, was it Senegal or whatever it is, that one tribe that's never been contacted? But like they are aware of modern society, they just have chosen not to. Are they the ones that attack? Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, yeah, yeah. I know that there's one near uh, Bangladesh that's that way. Yeah. You can access it from like the, the Indian Sea or something. Yeah. I, I think it is. But, um,. So the the prospect that there could be undiscovered stuff in uh in the American wilderness that still exists or like you know the Rockies and West or in the frontier land even in the central where it's just flat. Yeah. You don't have any you can see more stuff in the mountains because you have more surface area to look at because of yeah, the shape yeah, of the yeah. terrain, but I mean even still there could be stuff that's not out there. And we're talking about like, you know, this is me being uh, a true believer, as Stan Lee would say. If like Nessie was there, maybe they have mopped. Uh, maybe they have mapped the the entire Loch Ness. Yeah. But who's to say that if they picked it up, they didn't just dismiss it as an artifact? You know. Yeah. So I mean, like, we don't know what a large portion of the the bottom of the sea actually looks like. Yeah. Uh, we have an idea because there's a lot of like vast wastes. See, uh, but I think that's there. a bit different too. I think like that's. Go- isn't what I was saying, like the mountains and stuff, like the ocean floor. Yeah, I there is definitely some weird shit down there that we have not discovered. Kaiju. Yeah, I know. <laughs> like if you if they discover like some like megafauna, like you know, oh shit, megalodon still exists. It's just like the ocean Super floor. Deep, yeah, I would not be that surprised right. about it. I'd be like, yeah, that you know, that tracks. That, that, that tracks. Like that's a vast amount of space that we just can't explore. But 
I don't know. Like I, there was like what's, what was the movie like? Uh, it was a, it was a horror. Movie. Oh, the 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 uh, the, uh, the descent. Like these women all go cave diving or whatever, uh, and they find like this like weird subhuman species of like cave dwellers that like start eating them and stuff. Oh god! And like the movie's ter- it was it was actually in uh the Appalachian Mountains, I think. Oh really? I think yeah. so. Yeah, I think it was in North Carolina even. Okay. And uh, this is completely fiction, right? But like. The whole idea was like, oh, this like race existed only underground, and now they're like monsters right. that eat people if you get right. lost in those caves or whatever. And again, like I'm sure there were cave, like you know, they found a cave system somewhere in some country. I'm being a dumbass <laughs> right now, but like, but they found fish in there that had never seen light before. They right. didn't have they eyes didn't have and eyes. stuff. So, like, I think. I think there are things out there that we would describe as monstrosities, yeah, but aren't. It's just right. It's just outside the norm of what yeah. we really see. Well, I mean, and that brings me to a thought that I mean, in terms of modern storytelling, it's not quite as modern as it used to be. I guess at this point, it's about thirty years old. At this point, maybe even yeah. forty is uh, the X Files. Oh, it's a good show. So uh, it was all about American myth, mm-hmm. and, and uh, well, some of it was you know original to the show. The but, truth I is mean, out there, yeah, aliens the, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. So uh, that brings me to another thing with the uh, the aliens. You were yeah. talking about us being largely an American myth. I'm sure because of our ethnocentrism, it's making us think that it's unique to America. But Roswell is ours. <laughs> Area fifty one. Area fifty one is ours. So my, uh, I actually have a familial connection to this. My uncle, George Fawcett, it's like a great uncle of mine, actually has his own UFO museum. Actually, it's not huh. his. Uh, he has a wing named after him in Roswell for all of the study that he did about UFOs and just in his life. Cool. He's passed away. Uh, uh, he had Alzheimer's, so... But he was so interested in this. He always collected stories. He was basically a modern uh, folklorist, I guess you could say, because it was specifically around that. If you ever had a story about something, he would want to check it out. He had he gone would to know. conventions. That's People cool. knew who he was. He's been on the History Channel. Like He was a real guy for this kind of stuff. So people, look up uh, George Fawcett if you want to see something. I kind of have a maybe a morbid idea about alien abductions and stuff because they're never pleasant right right it's always like a violent affair or like you were probed you were yeah experimented on and stuff and i always kind of thought like you know i mentioned earlier about how if you tell the story enough times you start to believe it yourself right and i was like what if like someone got kidnapped and tortured or something right and then you know they've no this is again i'm going real dark what's been a pretty light topic so far but <laughs> yeah. so it's fairly common for people who are raped to not want to like report the rape and stuff right. because they don't they don't want to relive they don't the want to relive the trauma. Yeah, so I can totally visualize a situation where like someone like who experienced that was like, no, I was abducted by aliens, but then they say it over and over and over again. They convince themselves, right. and so well, I mean, uh, might not take so uh, too much convi- uh, convincing in some aspects, considering the fact that. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, drugs exist. I mean, people oh, yeah. getting drugged and kidnapped. That's and, a really good point, too. So, I mean, yeah. distorting their vision in their mind, making up the stuff that needs to make it make sense to them. Yeah. And I think I made it clear in our James Webb episode. Like, I, I absolutely believe in alien life right. out in the universe. Yeah. 
I do not believe that alien life has ever visited Earth. At least not alien life that we would be able to interact with. Yeah, or like, conceive of why they were being yeah. here. Like, I, I just can't, I can't imagine, so the whole idea is like, Area 51, an alien craft, craft crashed, or like in Roswell, whatever it is, and I'm just like, I don't think they would crash. Like, it just seems like if you can travel across the universe, but then you somehow crash on Earth. Yeah, like, you would probably have a spare tire or whatever yeah, you needed to keep going. Yeah. Like, yeah. But, I mean, uh, there's been a lot of stuff recently since uh, 2020, I think it has been. The declassified stuff? The declassification yeah. of un- unknown phenomena. Unknown aerial phenomena, I think is what they're called. UAPs. Yeah. Uh, that the government has declassified. And they're continuing to declassify stuff. I don't think anything conclusive would come out. But, I mean, like, you know. If Barack Obama wanted to sit down and talk with us about, like, some of the stuff that he was allowed to say, you know, that yeah. would be something that I would be interested in. Because, like, well, well, what goes on in these places? Obama, we're inviting you to have the honor of being our first guest yeah, absolutely. on the podcast. So yeah, hit us up. <laughs> have your people contact our people. <laughs> yeah, Andrew at SBI Pod or Bryant at SBI Pod. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, yeah, just to, to understand some of the this stuff, I mean, there's all sorts of myths or i mean even like uh uh what's the show the stupid show uh rick and morty oh yeah when they interact with the president uh and he has like the <laughs> the kennedy cocaine tunnels underneath yeah. the white house or whatever they just make up a whole bunch of stuff but i mean all of these things as national secrets are within the realm of possibility but they wouldn't call it you know the kennedy yeah. cocaine tunnels or the, whatever. the only one that like i saw that i was like that is kind of interesting was uh like the fighter pilots, they were like trying to chase down this object, and they're talking on the radio like we can't catch it. It's we can't maneuver like that. Like it was, it was you know these are the guys who are flying the most advanced, you know machines that machines that exist, and they were just like this thing is beyond our capabilities. We can't we can't keep up with it. What is this thing? And they're right. all kind of panicking. They can't explain it. I'm just like okay, yeah, that's. That's interesting. Yeah, corroborating across like, yeah. multiple people. Yeah, it was like it was it was a a pilot and his another, like his wing his wingman on the oh, okay. and another. Well, typically they have yeah. uh, two people in each yeah. fighter jet, anyways. and they were all just like, "We can't catch it. We're trying to keep up, and it's it's making maneuvers that would kill us." Yeah, and stuff, and like I can't remember if you can see the object. I don't know or not, but I don't know if they had GoPros at that time. But I also think like uh, <laughs> this is kind of a. Uh, it's not off topic, but there was a, I saw a funny thing about like, you know, if aliens are abducting people and doing experiments, what is with the anal probing? <laughs> yeah. But then I read a kind of a cool idea about it. It's like, well, like if you were going to study alien life to see how advanced they were, like you would want to study like how they get their energy, their nutrients and stuff. So you, you want to study that whole process from beginning yeah. to end so, like, you know, maybe Advanced Life doesn't eat anymore. Like, holy shit, these guys still, like... Still eat? I they guess. still eat. Like, Well, I mean, uh, the other thing would be, too, that I sort of think to debunk it is if they didn't know and they needed to stick something in us, they wouldn't just stop there. Yeah. They, they would find any orifice and, and stick an instrument in there to measure whatever they're yeah. trying to measure. So, I don't know how I feel about all that kind of stuff. It's, it's, a, it's, a, fun, it's a very interesting myth because, like... I mean, it's just, it's still a myth, right? I guess it's still kind of a myth, right? Like, yeah. 
Well, I mean, until it's been proven, and even still, like the the story part of it, the storytelling part of like fact, even is myth. It's myth just literally means story. So. Yeah. I don't know. It's it's an interesting thing to sort of like what kind of purpose. I mean, I guess you can't, you sort of said like you know to mask trauma. That would yeah, be. and that's that's a very morbid take on it. But it could just be like you know we talked about hallucinations. Maybe people just out in the middle of nowhere saw a bright light and thought alien. Yeah, like well, um. I guess to get into more specific stories, have you ever heard of a milk snake? I know only two snakes. I know you, you hate snakes, but still. So, that's not the horn snake, right? Like I don't, the Native I don't American. Know it, I don't know if it has horns or not. Oh. A milk snake is a snake that will drain your cows of milk. Oh, like a chupacabra, but. Yeah, but it's only after milk or whatever. Yeah. And people, uh, this is how it works you have a cow, you go to milk it, get milk. You go back. Days, day in, day out, you have milk, you have milk. But then one day, even though it still should be producing milk, you're not getting any milk. You're you're getting cow dust. <laughs> you're not getting any milk or anything. So uh, there was an explanation that, oh, it was probably a milk snake. What a milk snake is, is a snake that would come up to it. Rather than bite it, it would just suckle on it and take all the milk. Now, and to know if you have a milk snake... Whenever you have your cow up at night in your barn, because you don't want anything to happen to it, you get stakes, and you stake them in the ground a couple inches apart. Because when that milk snake comes in there, it can make it slither right between those stakes. But as soon as he gets full of milk, he's not fitting back out of there. Yeah. (laughs) So that's how you can catch one. Now, whether or not anybody's ever done that, that's a different thing. But I think it it was an effort to explain some kind of disease that was afflicting cows. Or, you know, possibly the old age of a cow. Yeah. Uh, or the, just the fact that it would stop producing if you didn't milk it as often as you should. Well, we said said the same thing about, like, the chupacabra myth. Like, that little creature that drains the blood of goats and stuff in South America. And how, like, well, you mentioned it might just be, like, a, a disease it had or whatever. Yeah. But I was, I was thinking, like, vampire bats. Right. right? Like, you know, one the, they're tiny. Have you ever seen them? They're, they're yeah, tiny yeah, they're little bats. Yeah, they'll fit in the palm of your hand. Yeah. Easy. And one of them, you know, bites a goat. It's not gonna do much, right. but they have been they've been they've been uh, observed like basically swarming. And I was like, you know, imagine a little goat getting just literally thousands of these little bats on it. Yeah, their bite marks aren't visible. They're too their teeth are too small. Right. So I don't know. I, I can kind of see like they don't they don't like you know we we imagine vampire like sticking its fangs in and sucking up the blood, but they don't do that. They kind of yeah, like... They lap it up. Yeah, they make a little puncture wound or cut, and then they just use their tongue, whatever. Now, but, their tongue has uh, uh, some kind of protein in it or whatever that uh, stops blood from coagulating. So this is another thing to consider. It's like the same thing with mosquitoes. It's how they're able to drink. Yeah. And that's also the part that makes you itch. Yeah. Um, so if a vampire bat or enough of them were to bite on you, regardless of if they drank you dry... You just you keep bleeding. You continue to bleed, yeah, until your and heart couldn't keep that up. That one tiny puncture won't do anything, but a thousand of them, yeah. that's like death by a thousand cuts, literally, yeah. that would yeah. suck. So uh, another <clears throat> one of the myths is, now you, you have a different understanding of the difference between a Wendigo and a Skinwalker. Yeah. I've understood them to be the same thing, so can you describe well, the difference? Yeah, so uh, again, no expert on this, I just watched a video about it the other day. Yeah. 
in preparation for this episode a little bit. So the Wendigo I saw was like an evil spirit made of ice or something. Uh-huh. And basically it's just like an evil spirit. It's like yeah. a large creature that like is attracted to evil and everything. But the skin uh uh skinwalker, right? Was my understanding was like a person who had so basically like the Native American like uh medicine man or whoever, woman or whoever they were were like the good people who did good magic, whatever it was. Yeah. But then the ones that went evil were like the skinwalkers and stuff and uh would you know, they went to the dark side of the force, basically. Yeah, yeah. And but I took it to mean like, you know, I so I just watched that show on Netflix, Dahmer. Uh-huh. It has a worst title. It's like Dahmer Monster, the Jeffrey Jeffrey Dahmer story. Yeah, yeah. It's like choose a title and stick yeah, with yeah. it. But that whole show, without spoilers, is about trying to kind of explain how someone could do this. Right. And then the final kind of thing is like, well, doesn't matter why. Yeah. Like trying to explain it away or explain it makes it too normal. Yeah, it some, the some people are same. just bad. And so I was thinking like, you know, the skinwalker thing is like the same thing. Like someone in your small tribe starts killing people, you're like, okay, like this isn't normal. How can we explain this away right. to make it ex- not acceptable but understandable? Right. Yeah. Well, so I've understood a Wendigo and a Skinwalker to almost be the same thing. Yeah. Uh, the reason I say almost is because um, a Wendigo can be a spirit, and it can yeah. exist in its own fabricated corporeal form. Um. However, they both Skinwalkers and Wendigos inhabit a person or an animal and can jump between them okay uh based on uh well not necessarily contact specifically i think a wendigo can make it into you just by proximity yeah but uh skinwalker i think almost definitely has to be contact okay um and so what ends up happening is you would see an animal or a person behaving in a way that isn't quite the normal and you would be suspicious of it, but it would be interested in you. And it might follow you around or whatever. And the same thing could happen. You could hear uh, an animal and you could see the animal and you could hear it call your name in like the tongue of a coyote. Like how would that sound? Huh. But it could say your name or a cat, the same thing. Yeah. And Or a person calling for help, screaming and calling for help when nothing is happening to them. Yeah. They could be out in a field just screaming for help, and you could ask them what's wrong, and they would see you, and they would continue to scream for help. So uh, the way, again, this is my explanation without any kind of empiricism, uh, is this is a way that people explain rabies. That is exactly what I was just thinking. Yeah, It's just acting bizarre. This animal has holes in its brain. And it's making do with what it's got, and you get close to it, and then it's transmitted the evil spirit. As soon as you talk about animals, I was like, I was like, oh man, that sounds like rabies, <laughs> right? <laughs> but they they act bizarre, and so that's the same thing. And I, I think uh, the Wendigo being able to be within proximity and having something similar happening could be uh, even the bubonic plague or something like that yeah. as well. And you mentioned the sounds too. We talked. We talked about you and I grew up in a very wooded r- rural area, yeah. so we're fairly familiar with the way the forest sounds at night. Right. But for people who have not lived in those kind of areas, like the woods really are, are not quiet. 
Right. Like they at night, they are loud. You hear some weird shit out there, man. You yeah. like you you mentioned uh uh Bobcat. Bobcats sound like a woman screaming. And <laughs> yeah. they they do. Yeah. But even like deer, when they make noises, sound like people talking sometimes. Yeah. Uh wild pigs, you know, people imagine like you know, oinks and stuff, but they they, no, they snore, they snort. squill. Uh you know, people, everyone knows like owls, who, who, but, yeah. but if you hear it, no, I fucking saw someone's talking to you. Like right. it, it's eerie and you just hear all these sounds all the time. And again, like w- w- we try to explain things or understand things. So you just fill in those gaps. Right. And you, so you said like they hear their names. So you're, right. you know, you hear that weird sound. You, you could, you, yeah, I get that. The That's, most terrifying thing aside from, uh, a bobcat that I've heard at night. Because I didn't know what a bobcat was until I yeah. heard it. And then I said, I don't know what this was. And then they, somebody pulled up a YouTube video or something. I was like, that is exactly what that was. Um, next to a bobcat is a pack of either coyotes or wild dogs yeah. that are in close proximity. And when I say close proximity, I mean like maybe within a mile of you. Because that is loud. Yep. It's louder than you think it would be. And then the third wildest sound that I ever heard was when I worked at, uh, I used to work for Lowe's Home Improvement. I worked at yeah. the one up in Silva. And I had to be there for their Black Friday early in the morning, which, you know, nobody's busted on the doors to go to a hardware store, but whatever, they were paying me, so I'll show up and get out at lunchtime. So I had to be there at 5 a.m. No. I had to be there at 4 a.m. So I was going to wake up at 3. Well, I set my alarm. It went off at 3. I started to get out of the bed, rustle around and everything, and... Within minutes, I heard the craziest sound that I had ever yeah. heard outside of my window, literally right underneath my window. And then I heard a screech owl. And I knew what a screech owl was. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's terrifying also if you don't know what it is. But I knew what the screech owl was. Uh, the uh, the noise I didn't know was a gray fox. They sound weird. Just yeah. weird. It wasn't scary. I, I've never heard one. Yeah, I know. So yeah. that's what you would think. You'd be like, well, I've never actually heard them like sort of do their weird like chatter thing that they do. That's what it was, which was walking under huh. my window out in the woods when I was living in the mountains. So, I mean, like, that scared the hell out of me. Walking Dead had just come out, and I was like, this is literally the beginning of the end. That has to be. That's yeah. the only explanation. This is a zombie. The the sound that, for me, was uh, howler monkeys in Costa Rica. Oh, yeah? Like, They're it's deafening. In, it's, They're really loud. It's in the name, but, like, it's, it's almost like a... Like, you know when a storm's coming, you see the wind a little bit at first. It kind of just builds and builds and builds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what they do as they well. Sort of warm up. You you hear one make that weird howling sound, uh, and then you just kind of hear it spreading. It's like a like that one little fucker's the epicenter. Yeah, and it just spreads. And by the time it reaches like the far, it's just it's all around you. <laughs> yeah, and it's so loud and it's terrifying. And you can't hear anything else. It just drowns out all other noise. Right. It's just, you just, I don't know. It was, it's, yeah. it's creepy. Yeah, I can like, imagine. I mean, and that's something to be said with everything. If you have not been into the woods, camping in like a cabin, I would mm-hmm. even think the place that we stayed for a bachelor party would be representative no, of somebody. No, not at all. That place, for, like, where we grew up, I think, was more... Yeah, but I'm saying like if you've if you're coming out of like say you lived in like New York City and then you moved to Asheville. Oh, if you go over to Swannanoa where we were at, you would experience some sounds that you would have never heard before. Oh, I didn't even think 
anything about that place at all. Like that was right. Well, I mean, same. I mean, well, okay. So Kathy's a good example of this, right? Like in Korea, I don't know if I ever told you about this before, but like Korea is like completely urban. Uh-huh. So like if you, for example, go from the town we lived in, Dongtan, to Seoul, and you went by bus, you never really left a city environment. Right. Like it was like a forty-five minute bus ride. And at no point on that bus ride are you ever, like, outside a town. Like, you're just, it's just always something around you. So when we first moved to Statesville, my mom's place and stuff, she does not live, you've been to her house. Yeah, yeah. She does not live in, like, a super wooded area. It's, like, a, right. kind of like a neighborhood almost. Yeah. But Kathy was just like, what is, like, what is that noise? What is going on? And I, it's a frog. Yeah, Or yeah. it's a cricket, or, oh, that sounds like an owl, or... Like, oh, yeah, that's a deer somewhere. Like, like, we were walking one time, and she saw a groundhog for the first time yeah. and lost her fucking mind. Yeah, was she afraid of it, or did yeah, she think it was she, awesome? Well, I was like, oh, look, there's a groundhog over there, and she was just like, hell no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like, wild animal, go away. Right. And I think it's, you know, again, for us, certain wild, if I saw, like, a wild boar, I'd be pretty upset and scared yeah, yeah, yeah like that's i'm not gonna feel okay right if i saw like a possum i'd be like yeah so what it probably whatever. doesn't even see me yeah i don't, I don't right even, I don't even care face, no idea. like so again i've touched on the idea of like the unexplainable being scary right but like i i always i always imagine like the early settlers in america like i explained to my students how america imagines a big giant forest yeah and it just never ends. Yeah. And for the people who moved here from Europe and stuff, they had never, by the time they were born, Europe had already been stripped of forests or already roads going yeah, yeah. to the city. So there was just this untamed wilderness. And then you're just traveling through these woods for, you know, months and months and months. And then you hit the Great Plains. Yeah. And you're just like, holy shit. Yeah. Like, what... Like, of course you have myths that right. explain how this got here and stuff. Or, you know, the Grand Canyon about, about Paul Bunyan and stuff. Yeah, like, yeah. Or the Great Lakes, whatever he... I he, think it was supposed to have been Babe that plowed the... The Grand uh, Canyon. Yeah. And then Paul... We even touch on uh, American Tall Tales. Well, let's, let's hit them real quick. We've got a couple minutes left. Yeah, yeah, sure. So, okay, the one I think most people are familiar with from school is funny to me is Johnny Appleseed. Yeah, Johnny Appleseed. But I just read about, you know, the whole idea is like he walked around America planting apple seeds. Turned out, from what I could understand, that he was based on a real person mm-hmm. who planted a bunch of uh, apples, but they weren't for eating. He was planting cider apples to make alcohol. Yeah. And people were kind of upset about it because, like, no one wanted that much alcohol. What do you remember about uh, Johnny Appleseed? That... Uh, he wore the pot on his head. Yeah, he had a pot on yeah. his head, and he didn't wear his shoes. Those are the two things that I remember. The pot suddenly makes more sense. He's distilling alcohol. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's like, you know, that might be a, a, a reach, but... I mean, no, like, I, I, could, I could definitely see that being a thing. I mean, Johnny Appleseed, uh, I've, I've heard that it was actually not just one individual, but it was like yeah. an evangelizing sort of thing to where different varieties of seeds were passed out. And yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the the story that we learned was probably to make it a little bit better in terms of like, you know, it's palatability to teach yeah. young children. Is that the reason that there's so many apples and like, especially our region yeah. um, was because Johnny Appleseed came and handed out apple seeds to everyone and told them to plant them in hell. Which is a pleasant story, but right. like, um, same thing. Uh, the next one we we mentioned him, Paul Bunyan. 
uh, an impossibly tall, strong uh, lumberjack with a with a blue ox named Babe. So in that story, so the original, well, the original Paul Bunyan, the original story of Paul Bunyan is like, you know, he was a big dude, like seven feet tall, whatever. Uh-huh. But then they got co-opted by like lumber companies. He became this giant, like hundred foot tall dude who would, you know. Like his skillet was so big, they'd ice skate on it. To yeah, yeah, yeah. Make his pancakes. Like that just got that got destroyed by uh, capitalism. Right, right. But, well, um, another one that I think about that has a lot of uh, significance to me is uh, John Henry. Um, is that the steel driving? Man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, a good he one. would drive uh, stakes into the ground for the railroad company to make sure that the the tracks were on the ties and lined up yeah. and everything. So, uh, Paul Bunyan, the story of him, for those who aren't familiar or need a refresher, he was a black man. He was working with John the... John Henry, um, you mean? Yeah, John Henry. Yeah. He was a black man, and he was uh, working as a steel driver, putting in railroads, and eventually there became, uh, with uh, the Industrial Revolution, a mechanized uh, mm-hmm. steam engine that would um, put stakes down faster than a human could. And it turns out... That nobody was, or no man or machine was better than John Henry. Henry. And John Henry was going to prove it. Well, he hammered in the stakes as fast as he could, went through or around a mountain. I can't remember exactly what it was, just as fast as this thing could put the things down or faster. faster. Yeah. And uh, got to the other side of the mountain. It was the last thing that he did. He he was going to beat it and it killed him. The exhaustion (laughs) killed him. Which is actually a a real thing that happened with like. I didn't realize when automobiles first started taking off, uh, the horse industry was really opposed to it. Right. And they had this competition, uh, maybe it was farm equipment, but anyways, the horses died because they yeah. couldn't, they couldn't continue on. Yeah. You just add gasoline to the a irony. I th- okay. I might be making this up. But I think the irony was that it was a very, very hot day and the <coughs> machine also broke down or something. Yeah. But anyways, like yeah. there's a lot of, like we could keep going forever yeah. and ever and ever, but but yeah, the good old American tall tales are something good. If you if you know any good ones, definitely pass those along. One of the yep. things we didn't mention is if you know stuff, pass them out. Yep. Let people know. Also, let me know at Andrew SBI Pod or Bryant at Bryant SBI Pod on Twitter. But thanks for listening, guys. Have a good one. I think about you all the time.